in that wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Never, ever, ever let a friend introduce you. I was looking. I was looking for Sandra. Going. I'm sure Sandra will do a better job. Uh, so right. I'm Tony. Uh, two things to be useful to know about me. Uh, one, I don't don't put me on a stage. I always fall off. That's why I'm down here. Um, I just, and I like you've got space now, and you just use it. So I will move around a little bit. Um, the other thing is, never let a fifty-something-year-old man dress himself. Um, we hit a certain age, and I just walked in the shop. I thought this looks good. So I'm trying it out on you. Uh, it didn't get a good response this morning when I put it on, but I thought I thought this is all right. I like this. I want to, um, uh, real privilege being here, and uh, I, I drove, uh, we were, we'd been in uh, Northumbria with Joss and Jill, um, up in Shilbottle, stand with them, and uh, I had a word for you, but as I drove down, I, I just got an unsettling yesterday, so I'm, I'm bringing something slightly different um, to what I had, so hopefully you'll run with that, um, but as we've worshipped this morning, I just really felt, oh, the Lord just emphasised that again and again. Can I just bring my own prophetic insight, um, just as we were worshipping, um, and that, that song right at the beginning about the walls of Jericho falling down, I had this real sense as we end our meeting this morning that there are Jericho walls that the Lord wishes to pull down in our lives and this this combination of us worshipping and glorifying him um, breaking forth um, victory in our life and then Peter came and prayed and, uh, and and danced and sung and just brought that presence again uh, Peter I fell at home uh, being here and he, he said this he says when we touch the invisible the impossible can be achieved when we touch the impo- invisible the impossible can be achieved and so that's what I'm really believing for this morning um, Johnny is my son-in-law and uh, he uh, sent me a message in the week saying you may not realise it Tony but the women's world t- uh, football team are in the world cup while you're preaching you might want to have a joke or two about this or you might not want to mention it at all I'll leave that with you and I thought, man, are they that tough a crowd? <laughs> or just Johnny know that I'm, he's just such a good act to follow from last week that he felt the need to um, prep me and help me. Um, so listen, if England win the World Cup today, all right, I was not alive when we won it the last time. I don't live in expectation that men will win it in my lifetime. So this might be our one shot. If they do win, and I pray the Linuses do win, you will remember that you were at Durham Emmanuel Centre listening to Tony Hall preach. On that basis, I will be embedded in your memory. Your grandchildren will hear the story. I didn't see the game, but I heard Tony Hall preach. Never got invited back, but I heard him preach. That's a great platform to preach on, isn't it? Uh, as Alan said, I lead a church in London called Hope Church. We have five congregations, um, many, many smaller than you. We're just spreading around. We're in a very dense part of the borough, so we've got a slightly different way we're working that one out. Um, but also have the privilege of serving with the UK team and leading that um, team. Uh, last October, we were in Dubai uh, with the uh, UK or with the global team, and we actually sat down and thought, how many churches have we actually got in regions beyond? And uh, we didn't know. 
And Steve Oller had been quoting a number that was wrong for quite a long time. Very wrong, in fact. He said, oh, just about 100 or so churches. And we sat down with big sheets of paper going round the continents counting the churches. Do you know how many churches we've got? We're in six continents, we're in 23 nations, and we're in 100 and 179 churches around the globe. I know that, because it's in the book. You see, I can see it, I can read it. Uh, this is this is our Vision Values book. Um, this is an elite version, it's called the Legacy version. Uh, this is like a Premier League version of it. And we counted and saw how many places we were in. And I just wanted to, before I start preaching, and wherever I go now, I do some family news. Can I do family news for a couple of minutes? I won't preach longer, but... We will do some family news. And just tell you what's going on. Please pray for us at Hope Church. Um, you had together a meeting in the north, didn't you, earlier in the year? And so we, um, I think, I don't know if we nicked your title or you nicked ours, um, but we've got a weekend away called Together 23 coming next weekend. And uh, there's about 450 of us going there, uh, all of Hope Church and about six other of the London churches. And we're coming believing that God is going to do something amazing with us. And uh, we've been praying about lots of things. There are lots of logistics. When you put an event on like that, it takes two years to put on. Uh, this one came together in four months. And it really was on the back of me hearing that the Worthing Church, um, Redeemer, had done one there last summer. And I just took a chance to ring them, the, the showground up and saying, hey, is there any chance you have space last bank holiday weekend in August this year? And the woman went, this year? I went, yeah, this year. She went, no, not this year. Never happens this year. And she said, I um, pulled up a spreadsheet. I've got a dog show. I've got a concert. And, and I'm saying, oh, well, that's fine. I'm just, just chance. I just felt God said to ring you. Uh, she said, oh, you're Christian too, are you? Like the lot. So I said, yeah, we're Christians. And then she didn't fend the phone call. So she had nothing else to tell me. So then she's like talking, talking. And I said like, um, Jane, I think there's nothing to do. She said, well, I, I, maybe it's, let's see what I can do for you. By the end of the day, she'd moved all the bookings and rang me back and said, praise the Lord, I've been able to fit you in, and then declares that she's a Baptist. Uh, so pray for us. Our latest little victory, been really, I'm in an hour about whether we should have a bar or not. Not that we've got a problem with drink, we've just got a problem manning it. And we put this up, put it down, and maybe people bring their own drink. And literally yesterday, I got a message from Pete, who's one of our team, who, who leads, who's leading this, and he said, I've just got a picture from um, the, the centre, or the showground, there's a pop-up pub that has been here for two events, and our event is in between them. They said, do you want to use it for free? So we've now got a pub as well. This is pretty good, isn't it, what God does? In the Isle of Wight a couple of weekends ago, and they were doing a baptism on the uh, beach. And it was beautiful. The community saw them. The communities around, they do barbecues uh, every Friday through the summer. They're known by their community. You always find ways where your community will connect with you. And on the island, it's, it's on the land. It's, on the, it's not on the land, it's on the beach. It's on the sea. That's how you connect on the island. And they baptized two men who got saved in lockdown. One guy is an uber-cool-looking uh, former gay man. And, and, and you know some men can look really good. And I can say that as a very confirmed straight man. But you can look at some men and think, you look good. I, I look around the room. Well, no, never mind. Uh, but, you know, you can see this man. And this guy, although his lifestyle totally changed, he looked uber cool. And he had all of his uber cool gay friends there with us, waiting and watching this baptism. And alongside him was a guy called Dave being baptised, and Dave was an islander. And the thing about the islanders are they're not uber cool, 
And Dave thought it'd be quite fun to, uh, when it was time for baptism, he just hid around the back of a shed and he came out with a snorkel and some flippers. <laughs> and that was him being baptised. This beautiful picture of these two men who got saved in lockdown, who are now best friends. And I saw that thought, that is the gospel. That is the gospel encapsulated. So whether this is your umpteenth time at Emmanuel, whether this is the first time you've locked in on us, whether you had a walk of faith with Jesus forever, or whether you're on a journey of faith, can I tell you this? The gospel transforms us. The gospel transforms us. It's in promise to do that. Last week, Johnny led us in uh, teaching, and he was talking from Romans on the subject of marriage. Uh, he said that, that we were under an old covenant, but we're now in a new covenant. We're in a new marriage. We were formerly married to the law, but now we're married to Christ. And the old man keeps coming back and saying, no, 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 come back, come back. And we have to go, no, I'm a new creation. I'm in a new relationship. I'm Jesus's. I'm his and he is mine. I love him and he loves me. And I want to pick up that same subject, actually, of marriage. The marriage of Jesus to his church. Just felt again as I journeyed down this subject of the marriage of Jesus to his church. If I'd asked you to shut your eyes and imagine Jesus in front of you and he was looking directly at you. You know that close to close. You know, you're in someone's space. You can't avoid it. Mm, true. You can't. He's, 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 he's getting uncomfortable now, isn't he? <laughs> what do you see? What do you see? If actually you should know what you see, because Janet prayed it out at the very end of our worship. She said, you should see his pleasure. You should see him smiling. You should see his absolute delight in you. He is persistently looking at you and drawing you. He loves you. And I want to talk today about this aspect of the marriage we have with Jesus was the church of Jesus Christ, both collectively and individually in our relationship with him, which is one of delight. The Bible says our relationship is one of delight with him. This is not my primary passage, but let me read you. Isaiah was um, trying to express similar prophetically, not just over Israel, but speaking of Jesus and the calling out of the church in the days to come. He's speaking and saying, we the people of God will be so much more. We'll be the nations of God and the Messiah will come. And he says this, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like the blazing torch. The nations will see her vindication, all the kings her glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow, the church. He didn't cite that, but I'm adding that. I don't think that's abuse of scripture. You will be crowned with splendor in the, by the Lord's hand, the royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will you be called deserted. No longer will your land be desolate. But you will be called Hepzizah. And your land Beulah. For the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married to him. Hepzizah. 
It's a beautiful word. It's only mentioned twice. And it's the name of somebody in the Bible. And that's not the story I'm going to turn to. It's a beautiful story though. Hepzizar means, I delight in her. I delight in her. I revel in her. I enjoy her. I am never ever tired of looking upon her. And I draw her to myself. That's what he's saying. He said, the church of Jesus, you and I, in Jesus' gaze, is drawn. He draws us in. He says, I love you. I'm not tired of you. I'm not walking away from you. Janet said, there is so much joy in his face. If we have time, just at the end, we'll come back maybe to a song of worship. Just to do your personal I guess, encounter with him. So I want to look on your face, Jesus. I want to delight in you. I want to be your delight and I want you to delight in me. Paul in Ephesians, when he's talking about human relationships and marriage, he makes a similar example. He founds it on the example of Jesus and the church. Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for her. Jesus' death and life and resurrection was not a random act of soul individual salvation, but the birthing of the bride of Christ, his people, the people promised to him by the Father. He said, there is a people in the nations that will be your bride, and it will be from all nations and all tribes and all people, and it will be called the church. And you will give yourself for her, and you will love her, And you will betroth yourself to her. And she will respond with love for you and a joy for you. And you will captivate her heart. She will be your reward. That's you and I. This is what it means to delight in the Lord. I'm told there are basically seven story types out there. If you're a screenwriter or an author, there are basically seven story types. I won't run you through them all, um, but I'll tell you one of them. And that's the rags to riches story. It's called the Cinderella story. It's the story where the protagonist lacks riches, lacks freedom, or something else. And then it's given back to them. Someone comes and adds that to them. They can't achieve it of their own. Sleeping Beauty, the fairy godmother arrives. I love the fairy godmother. I always think of Shrek. But there you go. And uh, and just, her life is changed. Sleeping Beauty in the tower, covered by thorns in the castle, and Prince Charming hacks his way through, and he breaks in, and he kisses her, and she's alive again. Set free, restored. Oliver Twist orphaned Mr. Brownlow finds him, meets him and then at the end of the story spoiler alert, sorry if you ever want to hear this but I'm going to spoil it anyway because preacher's license discovers it's his long lost grandchild adopts him into his family Oliver Twister couldn't change anything in his life these rags to riches stories I'm very much in awe coming here in Durham because you're a very educated church I know this I've had two children who've been um, schooled by you and uh, one who still lives here. And uh, and you're educated people. So I thought, oh, you know, you don't really want an ogre story and uh, the Shrek story. So I'll, let me turn you to uh, the Winter's Tower. I was went with Tina to see Shakespeare this summer. 
No, you're meant to be ooh at that. I didn't do any English literature at school. All right, Al and I were catching the stories over the week. We had a coffee and a, or lunch, actually. And uh, he's an actual qualified teacher. I, I dropped out before I finished. If you have children, that's probably not a bad idea. All right, I wouldn't want my te- children taught by me. Um, and, but I, I, I didn't do any, any Shakespeare, so I'm coming to this late in life. So this year I've discovered the story of a winter's tale. And again, there, there is a princess who doesn't know she's a princess, but she's been raised by shepherds. And she's dating a prince who loves her and discovered her. And his father arrives and he's not happy, but he's looking at her. And he says in full Shakespeare, and says to me doing Shakespeare at Durham, Emmanuel Church. This is why I've come here. Basically, he said this. He said, this is the prettiest low-born lass and ever. Run in the green sward, nothing does she or seem. But smack of something greater than herself. Too noble for this place. Oh, come on, guys. I thought that was pretty good. I'm not really, yeah, come on, untrained actor. All right. He said, something noble about you. These stories have this common theme. They're all this hidden identity. But your mind might go like my mind to Paul in 1 Corinthians where he said, not many of us were wise though. By human standards, not many were influential. Not many were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And he chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. I briefly just want to take you to a story which is an allegory. It's a love story. And it's an actual love story between a man and a woman. And it, and it speaks much about relationships. And I don't want to talk on that today, but it's been written about by so much. Oregon, I think, wrote eight um, commentaries on this and preached over 90 sermons and still didn't get past chapter 2. It's one of the church fathers. And I don't want to talk about that. I do want to talk about... You've gone ahead of me. Um, I do want to talk about the picture of Jesus and the church in it. This is a story of a king who made himself a shepherd. He's a king who lays aside his majesty and dresses as a shepherd. He puts his majesty aside and he goes to the northern hills of his city and he finds a maidservant working in the fields. One working in the vineyard. She's toiling the ground. She's digging up rocks. Her hands are dirty. They're not manicured. They're hard to touch. Her face, I imagine, is sweaty. The author of the book says that actually that she was dark in complexion in the sense that she was sun-tanned. She'd been working on the field. Her stepbrothers had put her outside and made her work rather than keeping her in the home to wait for a husband. Had no regard for her. But this king sees her where Esther had a year to prepare herself to go to the king and was covered in oils and goat's milk and, and looking the best she could ever be. This maidservant encounters a king at her most unattractive, I guess. This picture of you and I encountering Jesus. 
I was his enemy. I was far from him. So were you. I reveled in my sin and my shame. But I was aware of it. And when glory comes, what do you do then? How do you respond then? The king falls in love, he pursues her and he wins her. This is a story whose father, the king's father was a shepherd called to be a king. He is now a king who's living as a shepherd to discover again what real beauty looks like. I'm talking about King Solomon and I'm talking about a Shulamite woman. It's not a story, it's a whole book in the Bible. A whole book is given to this story. The Victorians had uh, uh, sort of, I don't know, what's the word, do not preach all over it. It's a sexual book, yes. It talks a lot about marriage, but it talks about the intimacy, the delight of Jesus and his church. Solomon is referred to as the beloved and the Shulamite as my love or my darling. Eight chapters of poetry. And it starts in chapter one with this verse. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. What an opener to a book. Whoa, racy. We're not going to go there though, because the kid's in the room. So we're going to skip chapter one. If you read it, you know it's a good idea. Didn't know the kids were in the room, but the Holy Spirit always goes ahead of us. And we're going to go to chapter 2 for a few minutes, for about 15 minutes. I just want to pull out four examples, four lessons I think we can learn that will help us in our delight in our relationship with Jesus. He wants to delight in you and he wants you to delight in him. This is an allegory, it's a poem. It's not a teaching book, but in such, I think there are lessons. As I just read this, I thought that the Holy Spirit would want to speak to us. So this is chapter um, 2, verse 1, and we're going to stop about verse 13. The woman says, I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. The beloved said, my lily is amongst thorns, for my darling is amongst the young women. She replies, like an apple tree amongst the trees, the forest is my beloved amongst the young men. I delight to sit in his shade. His fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to his banqueting hall, for his banner over me is love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head, his right arm embraces me. <coughs> Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you with the gazelles and the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Listen, my beloved, look, he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding across the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle, like a young sag. Look, here he stands behind the wall, gazing through the window, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke and he said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. See, the winter is past and the rains have gone. The flowers appear on the earth and the season singing has come. The cooing of the doves is heard in the land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Come, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, with me. This beautiful exchange between the beloved and the love. 
than loved. She starts by saying this, and I want to just pour out four four things that I believe Jesus draws us into as we understand what it means to delight in him and to be delighted by him. First of all is the beloved sees the lun of his love. He sees his darling. Jesus sees you and he names you, and we'll explore that. Then he says, the beloved reveals who he, sorry, he, then the beloved draws her into a place with him. Then the beloved reveals who he is, and lastly, the beloved calls her to be with him. Jesus has a name for you, and he wants to name that over you. He wants you to meet him in a place of intimacy, and he wants to reveal who he is and all his majesty to you today. And he wants to say, now come with me. Let's just look at this in, in this story, how this works out in uh, this young woman's life. It help you keep your page in the right order, Tony. That's it, back on track. Imagine if this morning the middle doors were locked and you had the entrance on the left or the right and Alan and Keith and Ian and John just decided that from here on onwards we're going to black out the Emmanuel Centre signs on that window and we're going to put average over there and on this door we're going to write beautiful and when you arrive at the door and the stewards greet you and they say, well, that's a wide shirt you're wearing, Tony, a wild shirt for here. I chose that myself. They're going to say, no, no, actually, when you go in, choose the appropriate door to walk through. Average or beautiful. There's a statistical reality and it's called the law of overestimation. 80% of us generally think we're better than average drivers. 65% of us, 70 to 80% of us believe you are more truthful than the average person. 65% of you believe you are more intelligent than the average person. And it goes on in so many areas. But when it comes to the average door and the beautiful door, we actually know how we behave. And we know how we behave across the globe. Because Dove, the cosmetic um, uh, company, did this back in 2015. Across the globe, they run this experiment. In nations like China, across Africa, into India, across Europe. They went all around the world, from Australia to uh, Greenland. And they tried it out. And do you know what happens when they ask women particularly to walk through these doors? 94% of you women will walk through the average door. When you are observed by someone else, you go, oh well, I'm not ugly, Tony. I'm not saying that. But beautiful. Beautiful. Any Australians in the room? Australians are the outliners, actually uh, 84% of Australian women walk through the average door, which means 10% more Australian thinks women think they're beautiful than men. Just that's the that's just a peculiarity. I don't know what about Australia does that. What's the point of this thing, though? You know, we we find it hard to recognise beauty in us. 
We certainly don't want to call that out, do we? And it's not just... I used to think it was just because we're English, but this is across the nation. They also redone this with men. They changed it to handsome and other names and stuff like that. The loved one, the darling, she says, I am the lily of the valley. I'm the rose of Sharon. That's not a rose like we know it. It's not a lily like we know it. It's a wildflower. When we got married, we'd spent all our money buying a house and we got that two weeks before we got married and our wedding night was in our home and uh, I went out and bought bunches and bunches and bunches and bunches of roses and put them in our bedroom. I felt like that story of the uh, woman with the oil going to a neighbour said, you have a vase, you have something, I put the oil in. I did that, I put it in cups, I put it in jugs, I put it in glasses. I filled the room full of roses. The one thing I forgot to ask was, Tina, do you like roses? Roses is not the flower she likes. And all flowers have a beauty to them. But she's, she's saying, I'm not the most beautiful flower. I have some beauty to me. But I'm not the most beautiful. Keller, Tim Keller said this. He said, the problem we have when we build our identity is all of us build it on something other than Jesus. The recreated mind, the new marriage mind, needs to change its mind back to that we are as Jesus sees us. One commentator said this, he said, um, she's not saying she's ugly, she said, she's saying there is nothing special about me. I'm like a common country wildflower. I'm not like an orchid that has been planted and trained and watered. I'm just pretty. I'm just pretty common. I really feel the Holy Spirit wants to say over you today, individually, but also as a company of people, Emmanuel Church, you're not pretty common. You're not ordinary. You're not just like, well, you know, there are loads of good churches. We do all right. We're okay. In our own life, in your own relationship with Jesus, like, I'm saved, I know I'm loved by him, but I'm sure there are others that he favours more. The, the beloved's response was really beautiful. He doesn't start to argue with her. But he takes her phrase and says, fine, you're okay, you're a lily. Okay, we'll be a lily. He says, but all others are like brambles compared to you. He says, the issue is not how you see yourself. My delight in you, new understanding that you can delight in me, is not based on how you perceive yourself. You want to be a lily? You see yourself as ordinary? You know your weakness and failings? I know them, but this is my answer to you. I preferred you over all others. I preferred you over all others. Deuteronomy, God says this over Israel first, but he says it over us as his new covenant church. You were not the largest people. You were not the greatest people. There were those who were bigger nations than you. In fact, you were the smallest, says God. I chose you. Delighting in Jesus starts with knowing that he has chosen you. He has loved you. 
This brought security to the Shulamite woman. It should bring security to you. It should bring security to us as a church. I had a privilege once of talking to a couple in their 90s who'd been married 60, 70 years, whatever it was then, 60, something, five years. And I said, we were newly married. I said, come on, tell me your secret. <laughs> they didn't argue for a day and they fall asleep on an argument. was one. He said, I married the most beautiful woman in the world. And she still is. I don't want to be cruel, but objectively speaking, she was not the most beautiful woman in the world. She was nearly 80-something. I'm not even sure within the 80s group she was the most beautiful woman in the world. But you know what? Mr. Wern had settled in his heart. He had chosen her. It's a pretty big relationship lesson there. You're preferred. There's a preference of the favour of God on you as a company of people. As we move into this building, I'm so excited to be here, Alan. We've been really looking forward to being here, we in worship with you. But also to be in this room because you have been promised this space. You've been promised it by God. It is a, it is a beloved gift to you. And it comes with promises. It comes with um, uh, uh, delight. It's not a withering flower. It's not a wallflower. You contended for this. His favour is here. He's preferred you. Now he prefers the next church down the road as well. And the one down the road, as long as they love him and serve him and want to follow him. That's what makes the global church. But you need to know that really felt that's why I'm here in this passage and then we find that the story moves on and, and these next points get quicker because I know we got to finish Johnny also said to me Alan doesn't like you preaching more than half hour 40 minutes if you're good I'm hoping I'm good if I'm not just tell him I'm good then I won't get in trouble <laughs> like an apple tree amongst the trees the forest my beloved is amongst the young men I sit in his shadow the fruit of him is so sweet to taste. This interplay of love language. He leads me to his banqueting hall and his banner over me, his love. There is a receiving of Jesus when we delight in him. You're not left on the wilderness. You're not left on the hillside. But the beloved says, no, come be with me. This is a dream. Maybe she's dreaming of the wedding day. Maybe she's planning it and thinking it. Uh, many of us, before we get married, if we have the privilege of being married, can often think about that. We got married quite young. And, and, and I, there are, there are uh, letters we wrote one another, things we made. I once made Tina a pot. Right, I was going to throw her a, 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 a maker of vase, but I worked out I couldn't throw pots. So I decided to make one with sausages like you do little children. But then I built it too big, it started falling on itself. And so in, in, for many years in our bedroom, there's this pot I made, and it sort of bends in on itself, and it got around the edge. I melt every time, but then I run out of space. <laughs> so, could be an Indian Joe, or it could just mean, you know, any time I'm with you. It's the thing you do when you're young, love. And this is happening. And the beloved brings her into his banqueting hall. This hall of wine. Commentators debate whether it is a place of intimacy 
or it's a celebration of marriage. You know what? It can be both over the church. Jesus says, I call you, I name you, I prefer you. Now come be in my banqueting hall. Come be with me. Come spend time in my presence. The the darling says, I am drunk with love. I'm drunk with love. I melt away. The, the word banner here is not a static banner. It's the idea of someone running round with a banner. It's the, it's the banner over a, um, a battlefield. It's a weird imagery. But the lover is declaring, or the, the beloved is declaring, I have won a battle for you. You are mine. You are mine. The story moves on, and our time moves on too, and... Then we find that the, the story changes. It's a dream and she's now back in, in her home. And she's looking out. And she says this, she says, I see, listen, here my beloved comes. Look, leaping across the mountains, bounding across the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle, like a young stag. The imagery here is, is slightly lost in us. Because you might think of Bambi. I don't want you to think of Bambi. I want you to think of a powerful animal. A robust animal. And, and Jesus is inviting us to come commune with him. If I had more time, I would have dwelt longer on this banqueting space, this place of intimacy. And there is an intimacy in our relationship with him. The Shulamite met Solomon as a shepherd. But later in the story, you find that actually he arrives having returned. Because we find in a chapter or two later, she says, I have to go back. And she's gone, where is my beloved? Is he gone? Will he come back to me? She's worried he won't return. She's worried this is a summer romance. Doesn't know who he is, doesn't she? said, which, which is your farm? Where are you farming? He said, just follow my herd, you will find me. Not wanting to tell her he is the king of all kings of the land. All the land is his. She rediscovers him when her brothers see him and they kneel and she looks up and it's not a shepherd but a king. And this is what these verses are getting to. She's saying, I look at my love, I can see him. He's bounding across the hills. When we delight in Jesus, there is that moment in worship where we get caught up in that, like there's no one else here. You have had that? That shepherd moment. But the Shunammite woman is coming to learn and realise, and we need to realise that in our delighting in him, he is also the king. This king who rules and reigns. I have one brother, and he used to work for the Met Police, and he used to set things up for, um, like, bugs and protecting people. He um, did all of the personal protection for Prince William when he was at university. And so, years before we ever heard it in the paper, my brother said to me, look out for a lady called Catherine or Kate. I think she might be special in someone's life. He wouldn't tell me who, because of official secrets and all that stuff. He was once setting it all up, and, and a student opened the door for him. He's covered all up in stuff. And he realised, he walks around, and it's actually Prince William's opened the door for him. That was my name drop moment of the day. And uh, Kate met William, I guess, as a student. 
But as their relationship grew, she had to realise this man one day will be king. And in being his bride, you become royalty too. Durham, you're royalty. You're royalty. And while Jesus says, I want to be intimate with you, he also wants you to know that he has a plan and a mission and a purpose. And it is much bigger than you and I, unfortunately. You're like, but I'd love you all to myself, Jesus. He says, I am yours and you are mine. My banner of you is love. That, That doesn't change, Tony. But you're part of the church. You're part of the ecclesia. You're part of the kingdom that is changing the environment you live in. This community won't be different, Tony, because you're part of it. And you're building with others. And we are now revealed to us Jesus, the king, as well as Jesus, the shepherd. Let me close with this. She's in her garden. She's looking out. He's looking in. And he's saying, and I'm sure she's like, come in and be intimate with me. Please don't rise. Come out with me. The winter has ended. The rains have stopped. And spring has come. Come out with me. Emmanuel Church, I believe God wants to tell you, the winter is over. The rains have ended. I pray so. <laughs> Just the last weekend, Lord, when it's August and the church is away. So please join my prayer that. But you know what I mean, metaphorically, whether it rains or not, it can be the springtime of God for us. I love the way Durham's changing. How many years have we prayed for the nations and gone to the nations and now the nations are here? Your Lotus census doesn't show a big demographic shift, but it shows a blip in the centre of Durham because of students and people working and the nations coming to us. This ethnos of God, the people of God worshipping, loving him. And he says, you need to leave the garden. You need to rise and you need to come out. I really want to say to you, this room is not big enough. It can't be big enough. And there's no more units to buy. (laughs) But the room only gets full when we leave the room and we go to our community. This king who says, you are preferred. I am your shepherd. I prefer you, not just an ordinary flower. You're special to me. If the band could, I've got time for worship song. You said you got two quarter past, haven't we? No, we won't. I'll just pray. I'm on submission. It's King who says over you, you're not an ordinary flower. You're preferred. You have intimacy with me. You know when you have intimacy with you, you love praying more than you do listening to sermons. You love encountering him in worship more than you do praising and I love sermons and I love praising he says come away with me can you stand and let me just pray for one minute Jesus we just thank you that your banner over us is love that you called us into this relationship of delight that you delight in us you have joy over us 
And Lord, I pray that we might have joy back for you. We might delight in you, but we might realize that we are called to leave the garden and go change this community. We pray for our community. We pray for the county of Durham. We pray save many, rescue many. May your name be glorified and may you be declared both shepherd and king over its people. Amen.